What's up, party people? It is me, your host, Andy Nickerson, who is here to deliver some hot, juicy Nancy Ned action for this week's Romancing Nancy Drew episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Indy Nickerson or at Romancing Nancy. Either one of those handles will work, although I'm a lot more active at my pen name handle. Um, this week we're going to be discussing Deadly Doubles. Yes! Okay. Sad face. This is book seven. Book eight is going to fucking destroy me. So there's that. Also, I'm recording this episode underneath a comforter because I've heard that's good for acoustics, but it also makes it feel like I'm telling you a ghost story. So that's fun. And I guess in a way it kind of is a ghost story, but in a weird colonialist way. (laughs) So that's cool. Also, my excuse for recording these episodes is that I'm doing a book report, which, yeah, just with a lot more cursing. This one, we're still in 1986. This is probably uh, early 1987 because this, this series started in August of 86. So this is probably January 87 is, this one that, is when this one came out. This one is based on the concept that there is a country in South America called San Carlos, which, yeah, I looked it up. It's not real. It's just like an amalgamation, just something to project our weird shit onto that's not a real country. So that if you don't like it, it's not real. And if you do like it, then you can say, oh, it's a stand in for blah, blah. And you're right. Either way, you're right. Um, The premise is that Nancy, the notorious NBG, as I like to call them, Nancy, Bess, and George are heading to the outskirts of Washington, D.C. for a semi-professional tennis tournament, which, like, that series of words, first off, reminds me of the Will Ferrell movie, but second, like, if somebody was like, would you like to go to a semi-professional tennis tournament, I'd be like, No. At all times, I'm the best in any situation where it's like, but will there be any other redeeming reason for me to be there? Is is there some sort of Star Trek convention going on? Like, what other redeeming things? Is there a Cheesecake Factory? Please explain. But of course, George is super stoked about going to view it. So she's invited Nancy along. And the book opens with Nancy sitting by the phone, like waiting for a phone call. And Bess and George are like, we need to go. Like, Bess is here to find some hot guys who are going to be watching the tennis tournament, which I guess, solid decision, IDK, like, sure. I mean, that's what Bess is here for. She starts off the book putting on like a lavender miniskirt and being like, if I have one more good meal, this shit ain't gonna fit, which, again, that's, that's a real solid call. I feel that. Um, so yeah, Bess is wriggling into a tiny skirt as one does. I think she even puts on a lavender top to go with it, which again, solid 1987 fashion choices. And they're like, we got to go. And Nancy's like, yeah. So I'm going to cut through because there's a lot of weird, like, I'm going to reveal like one person of the information you need. Nancy's father, you knew I was going to name drop him. The inventor of toaster strudel is BFFs with the senator from their state, who is named Marilyn Kilpatrick, who I've mentioned earlier in these little recaps, but I didn't remember that she came up this early in the series. But anyway, so she's a senator from Illinois. She is in Washington, D.C., and she called Nancy because she had, like, this one very casual thing for her to do, you know. Our parents are besties. It's, it's going to be fine. Um, so she just wants Nancy to wear a very specific outfit, which, again, oh, my God. Okay, the cover of this book, 
has that outfit on it and I fucking love when shit comes together like this like there's some Nancy Drew books where she's wearing something or in a situation that's completely inappropriate but she's wearing a white just a plain white t-shirt a denim skirt and a red belt like that's what Marilyn Kilpatrick told her to wear for her little adventure that's what she's wearing on the cover of this thing and she's also got the stem of an of her sunglasses in her mouth and she looks super chic like you look at her and you're like, this is the person I want to be. I do not want to be early 40s, feathered hair, like the shit that was going on with the early books. No, no. I'm here for the Nancy Drew on the covers of 6 and 7. Yes. Fucking here for that shit. Anyway, there's also this guy standing in the like middle ground of the cover who was wearing a tennis getup and that it's like a plain white shirt with some stripes across. And he's looking kind of mournful and also kind of Hispanic. <laughs> Because, again, these books do not go for subtlety. And then in the background of this is a guy wearing, like, what looks to be a 70s-inspired business suit, standing, like, wide stance with his feet apart at shoulder length, like, with a gun, just standing there waiting to shoot Nancy, as one does. So Nancy's heading to the tennis tournament. She gets a call from Marilyn's office that says that, okay, the whatever was supposed to happen has now been moved to 9 p.m. So you don't need to wear your super cool outfit until then. So she throws it into a duffel bag because, of course, she fucking does. It's, the book is like the duffel bag, which is serving as her purse for this. And I'm like, does she also have a spare bikini packed in case of needing to pick some locks? Because she's just going to dismember that shit. Sadly, no. Or maybe she does. We don't know. Before Bess and George leave, they're like chatting about, oh, hot guys at the tournament, blah, blah. And Bess is like, I'm looking for a new guy because I would like some brains to go along with the brawn. And the book narrator is like, yes, because her last two loves were a rock star and a ski instructor. So, and I was like, was he a ski instructor though? Because George is the one who fell for the ski instructor. No judgment. I mean, maybe they're talking about Gunter. It's fine. Also, anyway, it's it's totally fucking fine. And there was nobody that... I don't know. Like, honestly, probably book six was being written simultaneously with book seven. So they didn't know about Max, the guy from the previous book that Bess was tenderly wiping his brow after he had been concussed and rib shattered by Paula, if you'll remember that incident. Um, so yeah, we've completely forgotten about him. Fuck that shit. <laughs> It's fine. Maybe due to trauma, we've had to block all of it out. And side note, I knew that when I was reading these books that it was going to make me do this. But now I really, really fucking want to write a story that's written around the time of Whitewater Terror. Because holy fuck, there's just so much, so much to get from that. Back to the main plot. They're talking about hot guys and George is like, yeah, Ned might be feeling a little neglected. And honestly, that's what she says. She's like, I actually have some sympathy for Ned Nickerson. And Nancy's like, what are you talking about? And George is like, because we came here to go to a tennis tournament and you're sitting by the phone waiting for a phone call from a senator. There's like, no, there's nothing we can plan that a mystery might not interfere with. Like, that's just how you roll. And Nancy's like, it's not a mystery. And they're like, bull fucking shit girl like this you only act this way when it's a mystery and Nancy's like that's true but they're talking and they're like yeah Ned always knows that he comes second to your mysteries and Nancy replies with the cheesiest shit in this entire fucking book I swear to god Ned knows that he is my 
main man in any language, which I love that for every reason, but also it's the corniest fucking shit. Like, George is like, who is your numero uno? And I'm like, really? Do we have to throw in some random Spanish just for shit reasons? It's fine. Anyway, they have departed. Nancy heads out to the college, which I'm pretty sure is probably fictional and it doesn't fucking matter. But she heads out after Bess and George have already left and she walks up to one of the buildings because she's trying to find her way to the tennis courts because she's had to park like forever away, which, yeah, that's legit. And this guy stops her and he's like, oh, wait. And then he looks at her and he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Because he tells her that this entrance is only for players. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And Nancy's like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize that. Can you just tell me the quickest way to get to the tennis courts? And he's like, oh, you can just cut through. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And what she notices is that it's apparently like the entire building is off limits and only for um, the tennis players to go through. She walks out the other door and somebody fucking grabs her. Like a bunch of somebodies. And she glimpses them before she gets in the car and they're wearing dark suits that she's like, she's like, they look like they're from South America. And you're like, again, like, are we, are we stereotyping? Just, just a tad. I'm just asking. Um, they wrestle Nancy out and get her into the back of a car. I think that we've done this before where when people get kidnapped, Nancy immediately starts giving them shit because she's like, okay, so how, how long did it take them to drive you to where it was it like 20 minutes? Did you go over some gravel? Which to be fair, like as soon as they get her in the back of the car, they like put a gun barrel against her head because she's bucking and trying to get out of there. And they're like, and they're speaking Spanish and she's like, what are they saying? Which I immediately called bullshit on because I was like, I remember the book when you were in Florida and you were having to talk to the people who were being fucking human trafficked and you understood Spanish at that point. And the explanation for this is that they have some sort of accent that she's not quite familiar with. They're speaking rapidly. So she does pick up on occasional words. And I was like, oh, that's that's honestly fair. Like, yeah, if it were my second language and somebody were speaking a little bit differently then yeah. And plus the adrenaline. So they're speaking and she hears Muerta and she's like, no, it means death. Because, again, we got some chapters that need some cliffhangers. So, they've got a gun to her head. They drive her out. She's pretty sure they're driving her toward the Capitol because um, they're on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. anyway. And she hears the traffic and she knows roughly where she is. So, they pull up. They take her in somewhere. She's She's gagged and bound with something that's cutting off circulation, basically. They take her in and whoever's there is displeased. And they bundle her back in the car and she understands, this is the thing that gets me because she's like, oh, the word death. She understands on the way back that the words, they could be twins, which honestly, I'm like, what fucking language have I studied enough that I would recognize the word twins in a language that wasn't English? Like, anyway, it's fine. So they dump Nancy out of the car. She like rolls, gets up, looks around and she's back at the college. They let her respawn (laughs) and they wrap some like fucking heavy wire around her um, wrists and her ankles. So she has to work that off. They've even left her duffel bag, even though she recognized that they've gone through it. And she's like, what the fuck was that about? Like she did glimpse her kidnappers before they got her bound so that she couldn't see anything like, but she didn't see where she went and she has no idea what the fuck's going on. She just knows that it was probably mistaken identity. So they were trying to grab somebody and 
they didn't seem to know that she was who she was because, of course, Nancy was like, is this related to my dad? Is it something that he's doing? But no. So she finally gets out there to the tennis courts where the tennis matches are still going on and Bess and George are out there and they're like, we were worried sick. Where did you go? And Nancy's like, funny story. I'll talk to you later about that because she's a little bit nervous because she doesn't know if the people who kidnapped her are going to be like hanging around looking for her or anything. So she's just trying to basically get her bearings and she sees the tennis star that George is super excited about seeing and her name is Teresa Montenegro. Teresa as you've guessed already, looks almost exactly like Nancy Drew. Like, same height, same general coloring, same color eyes. Um, her hair's a little bit darker. She's a little bit tanner. She's from San Carlos. But that's about it. Like, Georgia's looking at her, and she's like, you two could be twins. And Nancy's like, fuck. Because now she knows that this was the target. They thought she was Teresa. Nancy was walking out of an area that had been designated for players only. So it makes sense. They were waiting there. They saw somebody walk out. She's wearing an outfit that could be mistaken for tennis clothes. Not her sweet-ass white shirt and denim skirt. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. So now Nancy knows that maybe it would be really good for her to catch up to Teresa and warn her that apparently some swarthy men are after her. So after her match, which... Nancy, like, studies Teresa's style, and she's like, wow, that's, like, really flashy, and, like, she has really impressive serves and shit. I'm not good at tennis. You know me. I ain't good at sports. <laughs> anyway, she's got, like, she's definitely got a signature style that people are really into, so they're watching that, and they try to follow her out, but the guy who apparently is also her coach... Um, is on the sidelines and almost as soon as her match is over he basically pulls her away and Nancy and Bess and George follow her and they see them stop and kiss passionately and Nancy's like oh shit okay um nothing but then they get in the car and Nancy, Bess and George follow them back to their own hotel that's convenient <laughs> but anyway um at that point um, they try to get into the elevator with them, but they like immediately hit the button. So they can't get up there. So Nancy, Bess and George, like see where they're going, go up to that floor. When they get up there, they hear like some sort of problem and some gunshots and they don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, they go down the hall and they find out that Teresa's okay, but her tennis instructor slash guy she was making out with has apparently been kidnapped. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so Nancy's talking, like, they've heard gunshots. It was weird. Um, Nancy goes to Teresa's room, and she's like, stay here. Don't come out. Um, the cops come up to check what's going on. Like, the hotel security come up. Um, they talk to a woman who's like, yeah, they're this nice young man. They they took him in an elevator. They were wearing dark business suits. And Nancy's like, oh, shit, it was the guys who kidnapped me. Of course. Um, so Nancy goes to talk to Teresa. And Teresa is telling her that San Carlos is... Well, Teresa tells her this. And also Marilyn Kilpatrick tells her this. Because Nancy goes... Nancy asks her what's going on. But, um... There's a revolution that is fomenting in San Carlos, and Roberto, who is the guy who was kidnapped, um, apparently has some sort of role in it. 
like he might be part of the resistance. He might be a double agent. Um, but anyway, he is clearly intimately involved with Teresa. So Nancy's like, maybe they were trying to kidnap Teresa to kind of get to him, like as leverage over him. But then they just decided to kidnap him straight out. IDK. Um, so yeah. So he's kidnapped. Um, Marilyn Kilpatrick comes out there and she says the, the meat's been changed to nine o'clock tonight, which Nancy already knew about. Um, but she comes clean and she says that Nancy is supposed to pick up a package. Like Nancy is supposed to use a pass that Marilyn Kilpatrick provides, go into the women's locker room at the tennis match. And there she will be handed some sort of package, which she's then supposed to pass off to Marilyn Kilpatrick. Nancy doesn't know what's inside. She doesn't know what kind of package it is, what she's supposed to be expecting at all. So, yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. After that, like, Nancy talks to Teresa, and Teresa's like, Teresa says, like, something like, yeah, my country's pretty weird right now. And Nancy's like, aren't you, like, nervous about playing at the tournament, knowing that, you know, somebody might be after you to kidnap you and that it might be dangerous? And Teresa just stares dead ass at her and is like, uh, this is what we live with in my country. Like, what the fuck? Why would I not do something that's a little bit terrifying? And I'm like, legit. You're doing good work. Shit. <laughs> like, I eat danger for breakfast, bitch. Good going, Teresa. Anyway, um, so Nancy decides to head out and goes to the locker room at 9 o'clock, but there's no one there. Like, no one shows up. No one shows up that makes any sense for her to meet with. She stands around to make sure that people notice that she's there. She's wearing her outfit. They don't hear anything. Uh, later on, uh, they discover Roberto's corpse in the parking garage. I know, the corpse the corpses are starting to stack up, y'all. He's apparently been tortured and he was strangled to death. Um, because we need these details when we are eight years old. <laughs> and we're reading these books for the first time. Um, which legit. Nancy goes to Teresa and Teresa is like she does appear to be upset, like she does burst into sobs at one point, but she is like, you know, he was, he was very brave and very strong and he was always there for me. There's a lot in this book where she speaks in like kind of broken English and, and with a Spanish accent and I'm not even going to fucking attempt that because gross, but anyway. Um, and she's like, yeah, he even gave me a book of poetry. And then Marilyn Kilpatrick is basically like, look, Roberto was the contact. He was the one who was supposed to pass off the information to you. So now that he's dead, we don't know where it is. And Nancy's like, Okay, um, what was he supposed to pass off to me just so that we can look for it? And Marilyn Kilpatrick says it was a hit list. There's six names on it, and it's all people who are working in the United States government or who are currently in the United States who are working toward basically overthrowing the current government, San Carlos. Sidebar, like, there's a lot that's real, real problematic about everything that I just said. Like, holy shit, we don't need to be getting involved in this shit. And that's kind of actually, um, when Nancy and Marilyn Kilpatrick are talking about it, Marilyn's like, yeah, I don't want us to, like, overstep what we need to be doing. Like, this is not, historically, the United States has not been good at this shit. So, yeah. I really wanted us to provide help to the people that we 
think are best, which again, super fucking problematic. Oh my God. Are you going to give him arms? Is this going to turn into Iron Man? Um, but yeah, so Roberto was actually supposed to meet with Marilyn Kilpatrick's committee so that they could talk about what was going on and maybe discuss how to provide aid in whatever ways made sense. Um, Teresa has a chaperone from San Carlos who is there to watch over her and make sure everything's okay, who is completely ineffectual. There's other people from San Carlos who are there to provide security, but Nancy doesn't trust anybody at this point. And now Roberto's dead. So they need to find the hit list because that's the people that the San Carlos current government want to take out of commission, basically, because those are the ones they fear. And they think that if they take these people out, then the United States will stop nosing in on their business, which, again, not a bad plant. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway. So that's what they're looking for. So Nancy talks to Teresa and she's like, okay, is there anything that you can remember, any place that he could have left the list? Like, tell me everything about what happened as soon as you got here. And Teresa goes over and she's like, okay, well, we stopped at the airport and he um, went to make sure we got our rental car. And then we came here and that was pretty much it. So Nancy's like, okay, so the airport, like if he were to have left it anywhere, it's the airport. He also gave her a book of poetry. So they go over that with a fine tooth comb and find nothing. So it's not hidden in there. Um, he bought some postcards and Nancy's like, well, maybe he put it on a postcard in code somehow and mailed it to somebody, but they have no way to really track that down. They go to the airport. Uh, Marilyn Kilpatrick, because Nancy was kidnapped, um, <laughs> even briefly, even as a mistaken identity sort of thing, Marilyn Kilpatrick's like, I'm going to get this guy who works with the local police to stay with you as kind of protection. His name is Dan. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. Like, she actually feels a little bit uncomfortable because she's like, Ned's not going to like this. And then as soon as Dan lays eyes on Bess, he's like, well, hello. And Bess is like, hello, sailor. Like, I'm 100% fucking down for this shit. So Nancy's like, oh, that's a relief. Like, it'll look perfectly natural for the two of them to be together because I didn't want him cramping my style anyway. So, so there's that. Um, let's see. What's the next thing that happens? Um, Nancy actually runs into Teresa, I think, in the parking garage. I think this is what happens, actually. When Nancy's supposed to go for that um, aborted courier meeting at 9 o'clock, she runs into Teresa in the parking deck, and actually somebody tries to run Teresa over at that point. This is when she still thinks that Roberto is alive. Um, she got a call saying that if she wanted to see Roberto alive again, she'd go to some address that's basically in the Potomac, but she doesn't know that. So Bess goes with her to, you know, see what's happening. And then Nancy goes with George to the meet and they get back. And actually, no, I think George has to stay back at the hotel for vague reasons that involve ordering pizza. Um, so they go out there and there's nobody there, which again, makes it sound like maybe they just wanted to grab Teresa if they could. Yeah. Eventually, and it takes Nancy quite a fucking while to get to this point, she does think it would make a lot of sense for them to maybe assassinate Teresa. If they're already talking about assassinating people, if they're already talking about, like, they want to maybe make some sort of, like, public relations incident with the United States, then it makes sense to take this rising tennis star who everybody loves and assassinate her on American soil and basically be like, y'all are jackasses. So 
But again, it takes her a hot minute to get there. And um, Nancy's actually, Nancy Bess and Georgia actually moved into Teresa's suite just to kind of help. Actually, the one that's right next door to Teresa's suite just to help make sure that she's protected. So there's that. The fun thing is that um, Carson Drew actually pops up pretty soon after. And he's like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, seriously, I do not understand what the fuck is happening. And I think this actually happens later after our car chase sequence. Let's, let's circle back. Let's circle back to that. Um, there's actually two car chases in this book. Um, the first one... Dan is the one who's driving, and he actually gets away with the real issue. Like, there's no real problem. He goes up to a stoplight, kind of pulls off. He goes through the stoplight, like, as it's turning, and manages to get the car behind him T-boned. So, hooray! Um, And that's fine. Like, there's no real follow-up after that. There's an incident later in the book where he's driving them around. I think it's um, after they go to the airport. I don't know. He fucking drives around to a few different places. Um... They go to the airport to look around. They might go somewhere else where they're trying to look for clues. But anyway, uh, they get run off the fucking road at that point. And again, Dan's driving. And the car, like, plunges into a ravine and some shit. And you're like, oh, my God. And the thing that happens, the thing that I think is most hilarious is that, like, the chapter ends with, and then the car went off through the guardrail and off the side of the road. Like, that's how the chapter ends. And the next one picks up with Ned screaming into the phone because it's in italics. You almost got killed in a car crash. <laughs> and Nancy replying with, I mean, we got out before the car caught on fire, which I think is the funniest shit ever. Like, it's three o'clock in the fucking morning. Um, Ned's on the phone with Nancy and being like, I'm really worried about you. And she's like, I mean, I did just almost die, but I'm fine. <laughs> and eventually, like, Ned's like, I'm going to come up there. Your dad's coming up there. I'm going to come up there, too. And Nancy's like, look, you you got shit that's going on. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm Everything's okay. And I'll call you if I need you. And Ned's like, why don't you call me if you want me? And I was like, <gasps> I know that you're sending coded messages straight to me. I will drink my Ovaltine. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so she laughs and she feels good about everything because they ended on a pretty good note. Like, I'm going to just do a sidebar again here. I have a lot of issues with what happens in the next book. And part of it, I think, is due to the fact that there are multiple ghostwriters. So, I mean, there's slight variations in style between the books. There's slight variations in, like, characterization between the books. But, like, I'm not going to say that Nancy and Ned's relationship has been perfect for these books. Remember the book where I was like, if she's pregnant, everything makes sense because she's just being ridiculous right now. Like, I'm not saying that everything's been perfect, but in the next book, there's a lot that seems to come out of left field as though to just create a conflict where I feel like they didn't lay a lot of groundwork for it. And in this book, especially like there's... Ned being concerned over Nancy, Ned wanting to make sure that Nancy's okay, and then Nancy saying, you don't, you don't need to come here, it's going to be okay, and Ned backing off, like, Ned doesn't say, like, you know, that's it, I'm not going to allow you to do this, and he doesn't do that, like, they actually have a good, playful relationship in this book, so that's what makes the next book so fucking heartbreaking, but anyway, oh my god, anyway, so yeah, um, 
Carson Drew hauls ass on the next plane as he is the inventor of toaster strudel. This is not hard. Um, he gets there and the the scene that opens with him is like he is just letting Marilyn Kilpatrick have it. He's like, I cannot fucking believe that you would put my daughter in danger like this. And Marilyn Kilpatrick's like, look, I just, it was very simple. She was just going to sneak into the women's locker room. And Nancy's like, because I look like Teresa. And Marilyn's like, yeah, because you look like Teresa. Um, Nancy's like, it's not just because I'm Carson Drew's daughter and a world-class detective. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) She is... You want to be like, you're so fucking full of yourself, but she's not. Like, she honestly has a really good grasp on how fucking good she is. And one cannot help but stand, honestly. Anyway, so Nisi's like, you want, that was the main reason why you wanted me here. Like, I could pretend to be Teresa. And Marilyn's like, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. I didn't think many people would question it if they saw you walking into the locker room. And, of course, if Roberto... Roberto would be in there anyway because he was Teresa's coach. So it would be fine and no big deal. And, yeah. And Carson's like, I cannot believe you put her at risk like this. Like, she is a teenager. What the fuck are you thinking? And Marilyn's like, look, it, it wasn't supposed to be anything all that complicated. And mm, after I finished the book, I was like, I don't know, fam. Like, I kind of don't buy that. Like, you're talking about somebody passing a hit list from a country that's undergoing a violent regime change to her. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about her accepting information that clearly, you know, killed Roberto. We They don't know if he had it on him. They're hoping that he didn't. They're hoping that he wasn't tortured until he gave up the names. They don't know. Because people don't immediately start dying, they're pretty sure he didn't. But, yeah, and and to be like, I mean, I didn't know, like, really, bitch? I mean, no judgment, because I like Marilyn Kilpatrick as a character, and I really think that she's useful in some other contexts as well, but it does ring as a little bit hollow. I mean, I would almost respect her a little bit more if she was like, but I was pretty sure that Nancy could handle whatever shit was thrown at her, even if Carson would be like, but I'm going to fucking murder you, because what the fuck? And Nancy actually diffuses things, and she's like, Aren't you going to ask how George is doing? Because George, I can't remember what the fuck happened to George. Um, oh my God. There's a thing that happened to George, but every, because there's so much shit happening in this book, I was like, did this happen next or did this happen? But anyway, after the break, we will get back with what happened to George. Okay. What happened to George? Okay. So, Nancy and her friends were there watching Teresa practice or have a match or some sh- I don't actually give a fuck. Um, but anyway, Teresa was playing. And Bess noticed, I think Dan was probably also there. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, like, Bess and Dan sneak off for a lot of dates during this one. Um, <laughs> which, fair. But Nancy spots a guy who is one of her kidnappers. And George goes over to kind of, like, get a closer look or something. And the guy starts pursuing her. And he takes out a fucking gun and starts firing at her. It's got a silencer on it. But, again, there's only so much silencing that can happen. And she ends up, like, basically trying to climb a pole to get away from this guy. Which sounds like the worst strategy ever. But she doesn't have much choice at that point. Like, she's just trying to get away from him. And she ends up falling off the pole and getting caught in the bleachers. And 
she's okay, but it was real weird, and the guy got away, because they always get away in this book until the very end, so whenever Nancy's like, Dad, aren't you going to ask George how she is? That's what Nancy's referring to. And George is like, I'm just going to go soak in a hot bath. IDK, bye. Which, fair. Um, anyway. So, yeah. Carson is fucking pissed as shit at Marilyn Kilpatrick. But, I mean, <sighs> Nancy's already in it. And she really wants to see it through. And she feels bad for Teresa because Teresa's boyfriend was just fucking murdered. Even though they'd only been dating for a few months. But, I mean... He gave her a book of poetry, y'all. It was like Romeo and Juliet, but not with tennis. Anyway, they still can't find the damn list. They, they've searched everything, and um, Nancy's like, seriously? Oh, they say that they've analyzed even the poetry book. They've looked through it to see if there was any sort of code, and Bess is like, yeah, they're going to return the book and the postcard that Teresa was using as a bookmark. And Nancy's like, postcard? And Teresa's like, yeah. Roberto got some postcards, and I just stuck one in the book as a bookmark because I was going to give it to my mom, and Nancy's like, when did he buy postcards? And Teresa's like, at the airport, and Nancy's like, okay, and Teresa's like, yeah, he he was like, when are we going to have time to do postcards and throw them away, and so I, I made him get one back out so that he could give it to me, and Nancy's like, okay, well, maybe kind of like a sort of a drop point, like maybe he put something in the lockers, but the lockers are only 12 hours, so anyway, they go back to the airport to see if they can figure out what's going on, they go everything, everything, they take Teresa with them this time, which the, everybody's like, we've already been over all this, it's not here, blah, 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 and Teresa's like, yeah, this is the shop where I got the postcards, Nancy checks out the trash can, there's nothing in it, there's, she just looks around, and she's like, what would he have done, what would he have seen, and she goes over to this big poster that's advertising the tennis match. And the guy who owns that shop is like, yeah, the, the guy that you were asking about went over and he was staring at the poster too. It was really weird. And Nancy looks at the eye that's on like the word tennis and the dot that's over the eye is a little bit bigger than the dot on another eye on the poster. And she kind of scrapes her fingernail over it and a micro dot comes off in her finger. <gasps> she's found the list, she's found the list, oh my gosh, she's found the list, so, um, Bess had gotten word that, apparently, apparently, the assassinations were to begin at dawn, which is bad, because they still don't know who's on the list, and what they wanted to do was send out people to protect those, the people who were on the list immediately, so that the assassinations wouldn't happen, and that's why it was so imperative that they find the list in time, so, um, they all go back to Washington, D.C. There are scientists wearing lab coats with Mac Pluses who are in another room who are trying to decipher this shit. Um, and so Nancy, Bess, George, Dan, Teresa, probably Carson, probably, um, are all just sitting in this room eating snacks and being like, oh, what the fuck's going to happen? This is so bad. Um, side note, what had happened earlier that day, and this is actually about the same time that that George had the thing going on um I think this is what happened um Teresa got a call from somebody who said that he was friends with Roberto and he had some information to pass on to her and that's when Teresa found out about the the hit men were going to begin at dawn she also found out that maybe Roberto was like deeply involved in the resistance and she was like maybe he was just trying to protect me from everything because he never talked about that and Nancy's like okay but that everything feels a little fishy, I'm just saying, like, they found a lot of money in Roberto's belongings, um, Marilyn Kilpatrick has a really bad feeling that maybe he was planning to double-cross her, 
So there's that. Anyway, Teresa finds out that she needs to go to this meeting with this person, but, and clearly she does because I just told you what happened at it, but, um, she has a tennis match at the same time and she's not sure what to do. And so she talks to Nancy and Nancy's like, well, I'll pose as you. And Teresa's like, I need to go see the friend though. So how can I be in two places at once? And Nancy's like, I will play tennis. I will pretend to play tennis like you do. Which, I mean, I'm not a great tennis player, but imagining trying to copy somebody's style while performing tennis well, which again, Nancy's like, I mean, I'm good at tennis. Like, I'm not a semi-pro, but I'm good at tennis. And of course, she's Nancy Drew. So it's like she's got the fucking Matrix or the Intersect in her head and she can just download that shit. But anyway, um, so she has like intense drill practice with... George and Teresa where they're trying to get her style to match Teresa's and while she's playing and side she's not actually playing a game in the tournament um it's kind of this side charity match with that's in mixed doubles like to raise money or awareness for refugees that are seeking asylum in the United States from San Carlos which seems incredibly on topic right now um but yeah so it's not gonna be like Nancy's gonna like knock down her points total or anything if she fucks everything up it's just that she needs to pretend that she's there and that's around the same time that Nancy's like why wouldn't they assassinate Teresa because there's been a huge increase in security um they're seeing a lot of people that are clearly like from San Carlos like people who are providing security from there they're seeing um government agents who are there because they know about the hit list so There's just a lot of people, and Nancy notices that there's some flash that she's seeing out of the corner of her eye, and she glances over and can't place it, and then finally she figures out that it's the sniper's, like, scope on his rifle, is what she figures out, and she's like, oh, fuck, because that's real bad. She can't exactly, like, run off the court and go do anything about it, especially if she's going to remain, like, in character, so what she does, because George is in the stands watching, Nancy actually hits the next ball toward where she's seeing the flash coming from and which means it's wildly off like it goes out into the crowd and George sees that and sees a look on Nancy's face and immediately takes off to see if she can find who's got a sniper rifle and I don't think that Nancy's actually shot at at this point I don't think so in my head she was but I think that it's just George was shot at at the one time so of course the guy gets away because that's how we do also, Bess, who is a fount of information in this book because she's banging the cop, um, <laughs> finds out that some incredibly notorious terrorist mercenary has entered the country just casually, just just hanging out. He's just wanting to unwind between jobs. And everyone's like, he's here to do the hit list, like, as soon as he's been released to do so, like, that's what he's here for, so they know that, like, all the puzzle pieces are in place, so everything is incredibly urgent while they're sitting in that room waiting for that microdot to be decoded, so finally, it's, like, four o'clock in the morning, and finally, they come out, and they're like, okay, we've, we found all the names, it's gonna be great, we're rushing, um, additional security to everyone who is on the list, like, all five people are gonna be protected, and Nancy's like, five? And Dan, who is the one who delivers the news, is like, yeah, five, five people. And Nancy's like, there were supposed to be six names on that list. And Dan's like, I'll go check. So he goes to the scientists and they're like, ah, we can see evidence that a name was removed. 
And Nancy's like, okay, so the bad news is that this micro dot is not the original list. This is a picture of the list, which means that the hitman has the original list. So we need to figure out who that sixth name is. And they think about it for a while. And Nancy's like, if Roberto was planning to double cross Marilyn Kilpatrick, then her name might be the last one on the list. Like, it makes some sick sense. And Nancy figures that maybe Roberto decided that if Marilyn Kilpatrick was assassinated, that that would definitely, like, make people really mad and, like, go into do something in terms of aiding his side on the revolution. Um, maybe he just wanted her out because she was butting in where it wasn't any of her business. Because, again, he's got that money they can't account for. But... Anyway, Nancy's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's her. Like, we need to get security to where she is immediately. And she's like, where is she? And they're like, oh, well, she ducked out her guards. And we don't know where she is. We just know that she went to lunch to breakfast with your dad. And Nancy's like, shit. So she gets in the rental car and she's like, okay, we're going to go to all of his favorite restaurants in Washington, D.C., which first off, I love that Carson goes there so much that he's like, Yes, I have a short list of restaurants. And one of them is called, of course, the fucking Monocle. <laughs> She's like, send some agents to the Monocle. That's one of his favorites. <laughs> because, of course, it fucking is. Which now I'm picturing the Monopoly guy just, you know, chatting with people randomly. Um, then she finally figures out this is probably the Hey Adams Hotel. Oh, she's like, the Hey Adams Hotel. It's been renovated. He said he really liked it. And... I think that's actually where they end up. At one point, they do go to the Watergate, and I was like, nice callback. I like it. Anyway, uh, Nancy rushes into the restaurant just in time to see, like, her father pulling out Marilyn's chair and to see, like, somebody pulling out a gun. So she yells at her dad. She's like, Dad, duck, and he tackles Marilyn, and the agents tackle the person, and I think the only gunshot, like, goes up into the air so it doesn't hit anybody, and... And everything's fine. There were no casualties other than Roberto, who was a dirty double agent or not. We don't know. At the end of the book, Teresa chooses to believe that he, his heart was in the right place and he was trying to do the right thing. They, like She's like, we can't, we can't guess his motives. He was in a hard place. It's fine. Um, but Marilyn Kilpatrick holds a press conference after Nancy saves her damn life. And she's like, and I owe my life to Nancy Drew, an incredible detective. And you're like, and she'll never go undercover again. Like, oh, my God. And there are books where Nancy goes undercover where you're like, oh, were you the girl on TV who saved the senator? Like, shit. Please understand that it's never alluded to again. This is 1987. There's no YouTube. <laughs> No one's going to be able to pull this shit up later and be like, of course, it's her. I've confirmed it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, at the end, Ned actually makes it in for the very, very tail end of this book. Um, just to see, like, Teresa being crowned champion of the tennis match. I Have I mentioned that I have so little interest in sports that I'm like, yeah, sports things happened. <laughs> anyway. So Teresa, like, did really great, and she's like, and I've found out that I've been granted asylum, and I'll be playing tennis for the United States, and everyone's like, it's like she got a scholarship, but for the rest of her life, and they're all excited for her, and Ned's there with his arm around Nancy, and he's happy, and everyone's happy, and I'm so fucked up over the next book, oh my god, oh my god, um, the next book is gonna fucking murder me.
I do this for you. I do this because you need to go through it with me. You need to experience everything, including the fact that now I know that if you're trapped in a sauna, what you should do to get out of it. Um, <laughs> which I have no fucking clue is true. But anyway, so yeah, the book's over. Everybody is safe and happy, except for Roberto, who is a corpse. And I was thinking about it, and I i mean, we do start this set of grievous injury cases at this point, but I don't think we have any more corpses for a while. But anyway, okay, so I hope you enjoyed our little trip to Washington, D.C. to pretend that we are tennis semi-pros with Will Ferrell. Just a, a massive cast of characters. And I will catch up with you next week. Stay sleuthy, my friends.